Hello and welcome to All Things HR, a podcast series about, you guessed it, All Things HR. My name is Barry Hughes and I'm the presenter of All Things HR. You're welcome to this month's new episode of All Things HR. Uh, in this episode today, I'm talking about kind of reflecting back over the last year of this COVID environment that we now find ourselves in. We're working from home. We're balancing, you know, our, our lives with children at home, our partners supporting uh, potentially parents and looking after our own mental health as well. So in this episode, I'm looking back uh, over the past year. What have we learned, uh, you know, from from a HR perspective? What have organisations learned? Um, and what are we planning for for the future? So I suppose this podcast episode is going to uh, give us more uh, questions than answers, but I think it's a great opportunity for us to reflect on where we've been and where we're going for this this uh, kind of coming years where we're, where we're, we're going to be recovering from COVID-19. And will this working from home, this hybrid model that we're, we're now discussing, is that going to become the, the new reality? And how is that going to work? And what, and what opportunities and challenges does that present for organisations? I'm joined in this episode by Donal O'Donoghue, who is the Managing Director of Sanderson Recruitment Ireland. And we'll be listening into that conversation in a few moments. Um, so I really hope that you'll enjoy it. And I look forward to hearing some feedback and questions from people. So today I'm delighted I'm joined by Donald O'Donoghue, who is the Managing Director of Sanderson Recruitment. As well as that busy role, uh, Donald is the President of the National Recruitment Federation. And in between those two busy tasks, Donald is a regular panellist on the Today uh, Show, uh, or sorry, on the last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. Um, So I'm delighted, Donald, you can join me here on All Things HR. Thanks for your time. Great to see you, Barry. It's been too long. I know, I know. I've got the COVID haircut for those who can't see who are listening in. I've got the COVID haircut done. Um, so, I, I, you know, I was, I've had the pleasure of working with you, Donald, and your team uh, over a number of years, being somebody who's looking for talent. Um, you and your team have just always been so helpful to work with. So you know the market so well. Um, your team is never afraid to challenge. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to hear your, your thoughts on, on everything COVID related and see how Sanderson is doing as well on, on their journey. It's great to see you, Barry. And it's, it's a shame that it's been so long because we've always in, enjoyed working together in all aspects. And we've, we've uh, been involved in different events together over the years, both in Ireland and the UK at different times. This is probably the longest period of time that we've ever gone without seeing each other in I person. Know. So it's good to virtually reconnect anyway. You too. You too. Hopefully, hopefully come the summer, we'll be able to catch up and have a beer and catch up and set the world straight. Um, I, was, I was just going to set the scene for us, Donald, uh, on, on, you know, what's happened over the past year. So we all know COVID-19, you know, has is, is, is moved us all into this virtual working from home environment. But I think it was in, in around St. Patrick's Day, Leo Varadkar, then Taoiseach, um, emerged from Blair House in Washington, D.C., and made that huge announcement that Ireland was effectively shutting down, that we're all to work from home immediately, um, all schools were closing, you know, all offices were to close, all retail stores, unless essential, were to close. So, you know, it was, it was a, a scary announcement, but obviously we could all see the need for it, you know, um, and we're now in this virtual world that we find ourselves in. And I remember at the time, we we're all scrambling to, you know, get ourselves set up at home, get the laptops, all that kind of stuff, and make sure our kids were looked after and our family members. So I'm curious to hear how Sanderson made that, you know, that transition, you know, your role giving the MD, you know, you, you have a big team there in Sanderson. How did that, you know, how did it look for you? How did it feel uh, when, th- when that announcement was made? Yeah, I think 
thinking back now, it seems like it seems like a lifetime ago that we were talking about two weeks to flatten the curve and and this idea that we were going into lockdown and that it would be a short, sharp shock um, and then that we would we'd have a return to normality. So I think it, it kind of reminds me of the, the different stages of of grief almost in that when I think yeah. back on the last 12 months, there have been a number of different phases. You know, there was the initial shock and the, as you said, the scrambling to try to, because to be honest, we weren't set up uh, for everybody to work remotely. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when I think about Sanderson, we had, we had a virtual private network. We had, you know, high levels of encryption and yeah. two-step authentication and, and, and the ability for people to, to log on remotely. Um, and everybody had access to to email on their phone and the usual things that most organizations would have. Yeah. What we haven't ever, I suppose, I suppose, had a need to do was to go through the full process of having people uh, assess and audit how suitable their home is for working for anything other than a, a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, I the last time I remember there being a need to send everyone home was just um I think there was a, a broadband problem in the office and there was a half day where everybody went and worked from home and that yeah, was about yeah, it. Yeah. Aside from that, uh, up until a year ago, it would have been the exception rather than the rule, definitely. Okay. And uh, I think the team uh, adjusted very well, uh, which I was delighted about. And I suppose that's the internal team. But right at that stage, just when that announcement came from Leo Varadkar, yeah. We were in the middle of uh, supporting a client that had a large integration technology integration project. So we had to deploy uh, about 40 professional contractors, highly skilled um, technical IT project manager uh, type of uh, resource. And that was incredible because in a really short period of time, uh, the organization in question had to not only transition their hiring process in terms of interview to the video yeah. platforms but the whole concept of ordering kit and onboarding a non-permanent resource in a in a decent number virtually yeah. was incredibly challenging so actually the the resourcing and recruitment side of things that's quite easy to to do over a video platform and um, the challenge then kind of hit the supply chain of trying to get laptops phones yeah. And actually, the little things like one of the things within that particular organization was that, you know, the first time you logged onto the network, it should have been done physically on premises okay. uh, as laptops were built. So there were yeah. policies and there were IT policies that had to be uh, changed and uh, made suit the, the circumstances. Uh, and then the challenge was really the onboarding and training uh, of, of new resource into the organization. And yeah. Uh, I'm I'm happy to say that it was done successfully and the project was a success. So that's that's good. And I think that's really indicative of what we've seen over the last year, how adaptable people and organizations have been. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've seen and heard different stories across, you know, from peers across uh, different industries where people have just leaned in. They want to make sure everyone has that good onboarding experience that they feel connected with their their peers, that they feel connected, that they can ask questions, they get the right information. So it's I definitely have seen that being done so successfully in a lot of organizations. So it's it's good to hear more stories as well. Yeah, it's really, it's interesting because I'm thinking again internally, like yeah. we have a couple of people in the team who have been with us uh, just since the beginning of the year. So literally the first three months in the organization, 
haven't stepped foot into the office, haven't sat at the desk, haven't yeah. met the colleagues. Yeah. But it's really interesting to see, you know, the bonds developing and the onboarding and the assimilation into the organization culture. Yeah. And the performance has been excellent, which yeah. is incredible. I think that's down to good leaders like yourself and your, the team around you who, you know, they, they want those individuals to succeed and they invest that time, I would imagine, on, you know, the one to ones and making sure they feel like part of the culture and team, you know, and that's it can often these little things, as you mentioned, they can often be overlooked when you're in the office. It's like, oh, yeah, just go into that training room, go through this and meet with this person. But, you know, it's down to good people like yourself and your team that are want your people to succeed. So. Fair play. And, get, and getting the hiring right. You know, yeah. I think that's the that's the important thing, making good hiring decisions. And I suppose one of the things that happened in terms of the hiring piece in 2020 was that ju just because we had this two tier labor market emerge, yeah. competition uh, for for available opportunities really increased. So we're very fortunate. We were able to select people from a very, very highly qualified uh, competitive pool of people so I think it's that combination of, of making good hiring decisions and then putting the time and effort into trying to transition that that induction and onboarding piece uh, virtually definitely they yeah. really helped yeah no thanks for that Donald and I'm curious like you've made some really interesting observations there as as the like that can kind of transition from the office into the into the virtual workplace you know, is there anything kind of jumping out to mind where, you know, you were probably, you know, one of the first people in the office, I'm sure every day. And then, you know, you're probably seeing people come into the office doing, you know, you assume they're doing their job, doing it well, you know, they stay late and stuff like that. Is there any kind of notice that thing that you've noticed since going virtually, where I suppose you don't see people as much anymore unless, you know, on these Zoom calls, is there any kind of kind of strike, strike you over the kind of journey the last year? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, a really good point, Barry. The the visual cues that we used to look at yeah. actually have just become irrelevant. They've become as irrelevant as the plush offices and the football tables and the breakout areas and the free snacks that some organizations used as visual cues in terms of their, their culture and their retention uh, strategy. And... Um, the visual cues like seeing people that arrive early to work or that work through their lunch or that stay late, all of those visual cues that don't necessarily mean the person is doing a good job yeah. um, have become irrelevant. So it's what we've seen in our own organization and in our clients' organizations is that transition of moving through or managing through outcome rather than managing through presenteeism. Yeah. Um, and that's been a learning. And and. I think one of the things that's been really interesting is the whole concept of trust yeah. because, and I definitely would have felt this way prior to the pandemic was that, you know, remote working was almost reserved for the, the long tenured, loyal, yeah. long serving, long suffering team members. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I think, I think the pandemic has been a great leveler. Uh, yeah. in terms of giving that level of trust to people that are brand new that again that we've never met in person and they've yeah. risen to the challenge and they've performed really well so and um, somebody said it recently and I, it really resonated with me that in in this era that trust has become the new currency yeah. and and it's a two-way street you know if, if you want you know for organizations and for leaders to be trusted they have to be prepared to give trust and that I think for the old school people like and i probably put myself in that category yeah, i'm there too a... yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, and, and and i think you're so right i know i would have been 
quite rigid about that working from home kind of and it, it and it was coming down the track it was coming you know that new way of working and obviously COVID has forced it upon us but um yeah I would have been quite slow to that change you know pre post or pre the pandemic but now you can see it and I love the way you put it there that trust is the new currency it's it really is um but I think coming back to your original thing is getting that that talent hire right and and sourcing the right talent onto the organization that you can feel good that you know Mr X or Mrs Y that you know they're going to actually be successful they get this um you know so I think that's such an important point yeah definitely and I think it has been it's been a really it's been a really interesting kind of thought process that we've gone through because it really makes you question um you know why why we work in offices in the first place and you go back to the old days of the industrial revolution and then the telecoms revolution where you know you think about the office in days gone by even when i go back to when i started working which was mid 90s yeah you know on the desk in the mid 90s was your phone um and you know post obviously arrived to the office and then late 90s if you were lucky you had a computer and uh, yeah. an email arrived so yeah you know you had to go to an office and yeah. um, so in the workplace of today, the, the main benefits of the office are the collaboration piece and the informal communications. Yeah. But it, it, it brings us into other challenges then, you know, when we think about the hybrid workplace and in, at Sanderson, we've, we've decided that we're committed to hybrid working going forward where we'll have, okay. um, after the pandemic, we'll have people in um, um, a minimum of three days in the office, but they'll have the, you know, the ability to decide whether they want to be in three, four or five days or, yeah. you know, so two days remote. Yeah. Um, if we're in the hybrid working environment, yeah. there's, a, there's the whole equity piece that's important there, because if managers and leaders don't go on a bit of a journey, yeah. you just don't want the people that are working remotely in line with company policy to yeah. be overlooked for, for opportunity or access to opportunity, whether it's yeah. projects or promotion or, or whatever it is. That's the train of thought, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I was going. I, I knew you were getting there, but it's it's <laughs> it's so true to all because um, I was talking to, uh, I won't mention their name, but they, they work in Salesforce, so they're, they're quite senior up and they were, they were talking to me about that, you know, they've engaged in a survey with their workforce. And it's kind of like about that hybrid model you've been talking about. And they were surprised by the results um, that the majority of their, their young workforce is, is they want to go back to the office, you know, three, three days at a minimum, because what they're missing is, is that kind of social interaction a little bit, but also being seen and, and kind of asking about those opportunities for promotion. So, so there's, there is, there's interesting things within the different company surveys and their approaches to it and stuff. So I don't think, I don't think yet organizations have found their solid footing on this yet. Um, mm. I think it's going to be a kind of a kind of see how things work out. I think over the coming months and years, I think it'd be interesting to see, um, you know, I could be way off, and, uh, uh, but I think it's going to be, I think people still want to visit the office and check in with colleagues and stuff like that. Definitely. I think. Yeah. And the research is really interesting on this. So I looked at two different, one Irish piece of research and one international, actually two international pieces of research recently. Mm. So the Irish one was by ESRI Ireland, and oh, yeah. theirs basically suggested that, you know, the vast majority of people want uh, hybrid working and yeah. that at either extremity, it's quite equal. So it's yeah. like 13 or 14 percent of people want a full return to the office. Yeah. You know, I think about it was 12 or 13 percent of people want to never go back. But the vast majority in the center want want that blend. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah. and that's definitely consistent with what we're seeing. So that was the Irish piece of research. Slack, the international tech company, did a global uh, piece. Of, it was a larger sample, but yeah. very common, very common theme. And then the other one that I thought was really interesting um, when you think about the sustainability of organizations was that the University of Toronto, I think it was, did a piece of research where employees said that to have remote working going forward, they would uh, be willing to sacrifice a, a pay reduction of 8%. Um, wow, okay. Be, you know, because of the savings you'd make on lunches and commuting and, yeah. and everything else. So it's 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 definitely interesting. But then I, I also think it's important to bring it back to the fact that the worst time to make a decision about the future is when you're in the midst of a crisis. Yeah. Um, because, so because your frame of reference is completely skewed. Like we're all exhausted, COVID fatigue. Yeah. You know, people have dealt with bereavement, with personal issues, with, yeah. you know, in organizations, many of us have lost colleagues through, you know, redundancy yeah. programs or yeah. through attrition that where hires haven't been replaced because of yeah. the uncertainty. So it is probably the worst time to be making long-term decisions, but yeah. it's definitely the trend we're seeing. Yeah, I think, and I think just to hone in on that, I think I think you're you're really don't I think that's a really good nugget of information and kind of for anyone listening, any leader listening in right now is to pause and reflect and don't rush into any decisions. Don't be maybe uh, kind of pressured in by maybe what you think the employees want and stuff like this. To pause and reflect. And not to make any hasty decisions in 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 this environment, I think that's really really important. The, the other thing, Donald, like again, you're you're working with a you know a, a large team yourself, and then you're interacting with a huge amount of your clients. And it was something I was thinking about myself. It was this kind of your energy during this whole pandemic piece as well, like that. You know, you've got your introverts and your extroverts, you know, and and I, I, I don't know if you noticed anything with that, I suppose, with with this kind of virtual working, anything kind of jumped out at you where, God, this works for that type of person or that doesn't or or it actually all works for them, Barry. So nothing here to talk. Yeah, well, that's a that's a really, really good question. And when we think about uh, trait theory and we think about, you know, yeah. personality and behavioral styles, it's really interesting because um, the if you think about the open plan office environment yeah uh yeah it definitely lends itself to people who are high in extroversion who take energy from being around people yeah uh, and it can be incredibly draining for people who are low in terms of their level of extroversion and uh you know you, you think the extroverts you know when they're exhausted they want to go out afterwards and at the end of the week have a few yeah. drinks and see everybody and recharge yeah. that way yeah. whereas the introverts want to get home a bit of yeah. peace read a book chill yeah. out you know and yeah. um, so that has long been a challenge for for people and i think one of the things that's really nice about this is that it gives autonomy back to the employee to be able to shape the role that suits not only their personality, but suits the role. Yeah. So on a, on, a, on a trait theory basis, the people who are, you know, maybe lower in extroversion that want a bit of peace to be able to concentrate and get a job done. Yeah. And they can, they can shape the role to, to what suits them and the people that want that social interaction and collaboration and, uh, and so on, they can shape it to suit them. And then I think if you take it back to the role, um, you know, if you're in a trading environment or a sales environment, 
where you know you need to have you know the courage to pick up the phone and, and make sales calls and so on it's yeah. a lot easier to do that in the hustle and bustle of of people around you and you're more likely to probably procrastinate if you're alone and go yeah. and make the cup of tea before making the tough, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the tough yeah. call so it, it also lends itself to the job yeah and um, whereas if you're doing a role that is you know research focused or writing or analysis the open plan office is the worst place to try to concentrate to get anything done yeah yeah, no, it's, um, it's true. It is true. So, uh, go on, yeah, so I think it goes to it goes to the, the personality type and it goes to the type of work to be done. And then it actually goes to that trust as a currency idea that actually, if you can make good decisions in terms of how you structure your week, uh, the days that you need collaboration that you can be in and, you know, seeing people and collaborating and having those good social interactions and the days that you need to write, you know, if you have a proposal to write or a report to write or a piece of analysis to do that, actually, you can put the kettle on, go up to provided you've got a suitable place to work from at home. Yeah. But go yeah. up to your little office or, or wherever you work from and, and just you know, not have the hassle of getting out of the, the jammy bottoms and <laughs> whatever it is, you know. It. Yeah, avoid the commute in and you can just really lean in and focus and be productive. It's really, really yeah. true. Um, I, I, I suppose related to that a little bit as well, um, Donald, I was, I, I was curious around, you know, you, you mentioned kind of Slack and a few other tech companies there as well. And I'm curious to see if you're hearing anything around that kind of Although we're working from home and, and we're in, you know, most of us feel like we're in control of our day and our, our work. Um, there has been some surveys coming out. I think the Irish Times did a big piece on it at the weekend where people are feeling a little bit more burnt out and they're working longer hours. And I, I was kind of curious, have you have you seen any kind of trends around other organizations or indeed in, in Sanderson as well? Like where people are, are maybe you're kind of saying, well, look, this is how we're going to work and you can switch off from this. You're in control. Like I'd love to hear your thoughts around that as well, Donald. Yeah, another another good little soundbite that I heard on this was that someone very cleverly said it's not work from home, it's live from work. From work um, in, in terms of the fact that remote working and home working has kind of made work encroach onto our personal lives. You know, yeah. we're inviting we're inviting our, our colleagues and our clients into our into our home uh, yeah, with our yeah. with our Zoom meetings and yeah. so on. Yeah. And there's definitely a theme there where um, people are more likely to go back to the laptop or go back to the office. If something comes in, you see an email coming in on your phone, you're probably a little bit more likely to respond to it if you're logged in and you have a, a setup yeah. with a, you know, maybe a keyboard or a, or, a, or a laptop or whatever like that. So it's interesting. And then, of course, we've had um, we've had the consultation piece with the government around the right to disconnect and that. Yeah you know, being being something that is is tabled as a as a piece of upcoming legislation. And it's encouraging to see the WRC uh, are also writing a kind of a, a code of practice for the yeah. right to disconnect. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's in that's in process at the moment. And I think it's really important. And mm. um, it's I think what we need is something that's not uh, that doesn't constrict business. That, it, yeah. that isn't overly, you know, that doesn't prevent someone from sending an email because if we're all working flexibly and we've all got different home demands, whether family commitments or so on like that, we don't want something that's uh, so prescriptive that it prevents you from sending an email out of hours. The expectation has to be just that the person isn't expected to respond until it's within their hours. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very... 
it's an interesting topic, but I think we just need um, a bit of balance when it when it comes to this. And yeah. um, but I think if we get this right, and I think the the WRC uh, consultation and 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 code of practice in this area uh, should be something that I think many employers will sign up to, yeah. um, because I think if there's clarity and fairness, um, it, it can allow it to to work quite yeah. well. Yeah. How's it working for you? Like, what are you seeing? What we're seeing is there, there's, um, I think a little bit of, I think you mentioned that, that kind of fairness, there is a little bit of confusion. It's, it's still, I think organizations are finding their feet around this. So what does it mean? And how do I communicate to Donald or to whoever's emailing me that I'm, I'm these are my hours of work. So I know certain organizations have put things in uh, down at the, the bottom of their signature. Others are kind of in the instant messaging. They've kind of put their hours of work or their calendar has been updated to reflect this. So, but I think, you hit the nail on the head there is just kind of get make sure there's equity and fairness across the board with employees um that you know how come mr x or mrs y can do that and i can't so just make sure there's consistency across organizations i think that's where companies maybe are still trying to find their feet with that at the moment yeah 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 yeah, yeah so. that's that's definitely what we've done in terms of um with the sanderson team because we're an international team now i suppose yeah Historically, we were very much a, a UK and Ireland business, but in the last few years, we've expanded uh, through some strategic acquisitions and mergers into Asia PAC. Uh, so we're in Sydney, we're in Hong Kong, we're in Singapore, and we've um, an operations centre in India. So it's the first time that we've had to, I suppose, you know, as the organisation is growing, its global footprint it's the first time that we've had to, I suppose, work across time zones. And it's the first time that we've been working with people that are working more flexibly and, yeah. you know, flexible hours and remotely. And, and it's been quite simple, exactly as you said, they're using the email signatures that to outline the hours of work or days of work and, yeah. um, and using distribution groups where, you know, for example, there's a particular team where anybody in a team can pick up a task or a ticket. Yeah. Uh, to make sure that it's a it's the generic team email address so that if somebody's okay. working a different work pattern the piece of work isn't left unattended so simple simple kind of solutions yeah. like that but so far so good yeah yeah i think i like that as well it's keeping it simple but i think it's, it's important for organizations leaders to kind of as again not to react too much in a crisis it's to kind of maybe reflect what is the problem here what am i trying to solve for um and, and trying to keep that kind of fairness and consistency across the organization i like that um I'm I'm curious actually, Donald, as well. Like, you know, you've you've a busy role yourself. You, you know, you're 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 the the MD of of Sanderson here. You're you're you've got the the president role of the National Federation, uh, the National Recruitment Federation. Um, like, what are you doing yourself to make sure you, you're kind of disconnected and switching off to relax? You know, yourself. Like, you've got busy busy roles there. Yeah, and I just realised on uh, that I had the NRF logo on my screen on my screen there because I've uh, I've been doing a couple of different zooms uh, today, Barry. So apologies for that. I've just taken you're, you're it all down. right. I think it's some subtle some subtle advertisement for them. Yeah, a, a bit of a plug. And yeah. um, I would I would be lying if I said that it it has been all good. And yeah. um, so last year, um, by the time it got to the summertime, uh, my partner got me the present of a Fitbit and okay. I started I started to run um, yeah. and was running four or five K a few times a week. 
and it was great. Uh, yeah. I think I probably started to obsess a little bit on it, like many people yeah. do when they get one of these things. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was doing I was doing the running. I was watching the steps. I got so obsessed with it at one stage. I was in this kind of step competition with people I didn't even know, and I got <laughs> up in the morning. <laughs> I got up in the morning to go and get the extra few steps in when somebody had passed me by. You yeah. know, so yeah. I think I went a little bit a little bit <laughs> steptastic <laughs> for a while. And yeah. um, and then um, for different reasons, and I went, I, I spent a year where I didn't eat any meat, which was oh, something really? that I'd wanted to do for a while. So I went vegetarian for just over a year. And oh, wow. um, so that was that was interesting. So I was feeling feeling quite good, actually. Yeah. The time I was saving on the commute, because I always for 25 years would always have commuted into the city centre to work. Yeah. And um, so the time I was saving on the commute, I was getting a run in maybe in the morning or a walk in and you know, the, the kilos started dropping off and I was feeling good. And then I don't know what happened, but I think I think it happened probably when we went back into lockdown around Christmas time. Yeah, that I just because because that particular lockdown was kind of the unexpected one, you know, going into yeah. Christmas, the numbers were quite low. We've been yeah. in level three for a while. So there was we could shop and there was social distancing. Freedom. but There was normality. Yeah. There was a bit yeah. of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think at that point I went uh, I went back on the beach at Christmas because I kind of said, you know, I'd, I wanted to do a year and see how I got on with it. Yeah. And then I probably made up for everything that I <laughs> deprived myself of in, in the previous year. And for some reason, I stopped exercising and, yeah. you know, all the kilos uh, came back and they brought a few friends as well. <laughs> so um, so I found it's been it's been very hard to stay consistent on, on yeah. that level in terms of the, the physical wellness side yeah. of things. And I think when I when I think about wellness, there's definitely the, there's the social wellness aspect that's really challenging in terms yeah. of not being able to see our families, Absolutely. not being able to see our friends. You know, my mom had a fall uh, and yeah. hurt her arm. She's, you know, in her eighties and uh, she had a fall, she hurt her arm. And that was really difficult not to be able to spend yeah. the time with the parent that's, you know, that's gone through something like that, where you get a, a, a knock of confidence. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose there's the, the physical, the well-being side of things to try to stay motivated, to keep yourself yeah. in the fresh air and walking and running, which definitely feel much better when I'm doing that. But it's it's yeah, it's definitely been peaks and troughs, peaks yeah. and troughs. And um, what about you, Barry? What have you been doing to stay? Well, I, I think I fell into the category of yourself. I I, I did start now I, I running. Yeah, I've tried to keep that up, but it's been hit and miss. Now, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I have the Apple Watch and the steps. You have to you get into that competitive nature. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need to beat that friend or I need to beat that person. Um, I did start swimming during the summer. So I was one of those annoying, obnoxious people saying, well, I went for a morning swim today and I'm I'm feeling wonderful and stuff like that. Um, Very good. Are you going to do a triathlon or something? Is that the no, plan? No chance of that. No chance. I remember. I remember. And I'm sure your listeners and your viewers will will appreciate this. But I remember seeing you a few years ago when we were at some kind of a, a work event. And there may have been a couple of glasses of wine. And you got up and ran, I think, a 10K the next day. And I, I think <laughs> I, I'll always respect and admire that because that was a that was a fair old uh, performance. I'll, 
I'll never forget that. All right, John. All right. I was uh, deeply unwell, shall we say, after those few glasses of wine. Uh, but I did. I was very glad to see my bed after that. All right. I have to say. I can imagine. I yeah, can imagine. I, but that's that's very much the plan. I'm going to try yeah. to try to get back into. I live in Maynooth and there's a nice little 4K um, lap down Carton Avenue, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, and it's not quite 5K and it's more than 3K. And it's because people say like, that's a, that's a weird number. You do a 4K run. <laughs> works for me <laughs> that's it it works for you that's amazing yeah. no matter how how out of shape you get you can always do 4k if you if you if you plot along you know that's it well, that's it you go at your own as my dad always says go at your own pace once you finish it you go at your own pace and enjoy it i think he's right exactly um well donna i really want to thank you so much for your insights and time today like it's been so interesting talking to you like the, the kind of Thinking about the disconnect, thinking about organizations not jumping into making big decisions, but taking time to reflect, thinking about the well-being of yourself as well first, which is important, kind of like the, the, on the airplane, put on your mask first before you attend to others. So kind of that, that wellness piece is important because thinking of your role, you're, you're looking after not just yourself, but you have your team, your family and your, your clients as well. And thinking about that, our extrovert, introvert piece, thinking about leaders like that, or leaders need to think about that when they're thinking about work. And then what comes back to this, making sure the talent that we look at, are we, are we hiring the right person for the right role? What's their onboarding experience going to be? So Don, you've taken us through a kind of the life cycle of, of all of that and thinking about the COVID lens on it. So I really appreciate your time and thoughts today on all things HR. So thank you so much. Great to see you, Barry. Thanks a million. Cheers. Talk to you soon. So that's it for this episode. Um, I really enjoyed putting together this episode and I hope you've enjoyed listening. And what I want you to do as you're walking away or uh, listening to this episode, wherever you're listening to it, is to think about don't make any decisions in, in, in a crisis like this. So pause and reflect. Give yourself space, uh, whether you're, you're the leader of the organisation, whether you're the HR leader or you're the manager. Take some time out. Talk to your peers. Um, Think about maybe survey going out to the organization, um, engage in one-on-ones, ask your people what is it that they want, how do they think this hybrid model will work, and then engage around trying to build out a, a, a kind of a communications plan and a policy around this, so that way you can address some of the sensitive questions that Donald and I have talked about today around GDPR or making sure people have that right to disconnect and things like that. So just my advice is don't make any decisions in a, in a rush. So our next episode will be on the subject of values in an organisation. How important are they? How do people bring their values to work and how they you know, match with the organisation values? So I'll be joined by a guest speaker on that as well. So again, I encourage anyone to reach out to me, give me feedback. You can get me on barry.hughes at outlook.com. You can get me on Twitter, you can get me on LinkedIn um, and on my website, which is allthingshr.org. Uh, again, I thank Kieran Hughes for editing the podcast series and thanks for tuning in to All Things HR.